On the Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 21 for the 23rd of October, 2006. Hi, James. Hi, Ian. How's it going? I'm very well. I've uh, got back from Moscow. You've got back from somewhere else, and we're now able to actually record a podcast. Yes, although we're not quite in the same place, but we'll work on that. Um, good, and it's podcast number 21. We've come of age. Yep, uh, we're all grown up now. Mm, indeed, fantastico, and uh, lots of news um, this week as well, haven't we? Stacks of stuff, stacks of stuff. So is there anything happening in the UK this week? Except for the UK, it might be said. A bit quiet <laughs> in the UK. <laughs> um, but, you know, you've got to have a down bit. It's half term here, so everyone's, uh, you know, obviously... Right being quiet but lots of international news haven't we and you've you've um got some information from your your home country what's going on there well back in australia uh the the big kind of the big news at the moment is that telstra which has been the incumbent telco is uh it's it's about almost half privatized at the moment and the government has finally decided to sell off the second half of telstra Mm -hmm. um and so um rather coincidentally um, all the shareholders of Telstra have got a nice letter telling them what wonderful, fantastic technology Telstra is rolling out right now um, in order to presumably try and get everyone to uh, cough up for the second half of, of uh, selling Telstra, which is... So this is trying to, I guess, sell to the existing shareholders, sell more? Mm. I mean, so the whole sale's worth about $10 billion, so it's... Have the, has the share price been going up and up and up? Is it a good... Um, I mean, it, it's been going down and down and down for the last six months. Right. Um, so they've been it's a good time to buy. There we go. <laughs> it's a good time to buy. This is not a recommendation, I might add. No, not at all. <laughs> we don't do that sort of stuff. But what I was interested in uh, was the technology that they're, that they're deploying now. Um, and uh, there's been three has been rolling out their 3G network in, in Australia. It's been there for a couple of years. Uh, hasn't ever really, really kind of taken off in the same way. It hasn't really taken off elsewhere, uh, strangely enough. But now Telstra is rolling out its own 3G network. They're calling well, it NextG. I, I kind of heard some stuff, which I'll talk about later on in the mobile section. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on there. but uh, So they're trying to push that. Um, yep. And the interesting thing there is that they they reckon that they've got peak network speeds of 3.6 megabits today. So this is wireless broadband, uh, 14.4 megabits in 2007. Mm-hmm. And by early 2009, they'll have 40 megabits uh, of wireless broadband access over a handset be, or a they'll computer. They'll be cooking everybody, you know, 40 <laughs> megabits. It's quite astonishing amount of bandwidth to mm. be able to do that wirelessly. And they've got 98% of the, uh, uh, the population covered. So, you know, we can see that um, bandwidth more and more is going to become a commodity uh, you're going to be able to push all sorts Probably of stuff quite over this. important for them to have the, the bandwidth as well, isn't it? Because I guess right now they've they've got a pretty much a telephony monopoly, right, from all the twisted pairs there. But yeah, if they, they let someone else get the wireless stuff, they'd be out of business, wouldn't they? So. That's true. So they need to expand their services. And, you know, they've been doing unbundling, obviously, over the last couple of years. They've been yeah. part of that game too. But, you know, it's important for them to um, to expand into other areas to still have, you know, like many telcos, they're, they're looking to expand the, the business model. So they're, they're talking here about transforming a phone company into a media communications company. And again, they're looking to be able to uh, leverage their relationship with Foxtel uh, right. to be able to run television over Telstra services as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So interesting times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds interesting. Now, we had a little thing here about international news about Viva Panata, right? But is that really... That's kind of more contenty, really, isn't it? 
Well, this is uh, Microsoft, who are... <laughs> okay, so the, the story talks about how Fox TV last month started a new Saturday morning cartoon called Viva Pinata. Right, um, which is a, typically aimed at kids. It's a blatant merchandising play, right? Yeah, in fact, um, the entire actual cartoon space, as right. in the, the amount of time the cartoon is actually played for, is paid for externally. I think that's how much of an ad it is. Um, And it's got links in with uh, an Xbox 360 game, as well as a little portable game. But um, this is Microsoft trying to rebrand itself uh, in terms of the Xbox 360 from being a, uh, like, you know, you know, most of the the Xbox game, the 360 games are all kind of fairly dark, fairly violent, violent, you know, kill people, run around, you know. That's why I haven't got one. Uh, yeah, because, you know. I want to just like, I mean, isn't Viva, isn't Panatha about knocking the rubbish out of little, animals yes. is it more abusing animals that sounds a bit dark to me and <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that it's an animal abuse thing and they're getting kids to watch this as well I didn't well, know one of the things I noticed in this I've heard of Pokemon right they're hmm. also talking about this UGO have you heard this is it yeah, UGO UGO I don't know maybe um, I know I've heard about Pokemon and the trading cards and toys and things mm. like that but Microsoft is trying to get this Pinata thing being the next big yes. Pokemon you know um I mean, the, 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 number of, the number of tie-ins here is quite incredible because um, uh, these panadas are all based on animals, have wacky names like Franklin Fizzly Bear and Langston yeah, but you, I mean, the whole idea is you just whack the crap out of these things, isn't it? <laughs> 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 most panadas love to go to children's birthday parties, so they work to raise their candiosity. You know, what's the, uh, is it the restaurant at the end of the universe where the animal's going, here, look, eat my thigh, it's really tasty. <laughs> and so you can have, was it, Langston Licker Toad saying, hey, beat the crap out of me, watch the, watch the stuff fall out. <laughs> I don't right. see that. I don't actually, so, I don't know what you can do in the game. I can't imagine. You just beat the crap out of all these bananas, I suppose. <laughs> and something falls out. different sweets. Maybe that's it. Presumably the real thing's more fun because you actually get to eat the sweets, but... <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a short game to me. Who really. knows? Who knows? Well, yeah, I'm sure it'll catch on and everyone will buy them. Well, you can get That's figurines it. as well. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if you can actually get anything out of them. You never know. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so there's, there's Microsoft trying to Brilliant. link in with different forms of media. Yeah, I think it'll definitely work. Um, <laughs> on the content delivery side, we had a bit of news. A few new satellites went up in the last couple of weeks, didn't they? Again, back in your hometown, Optus launched a new satellite in Australia. I guess the satellites in Australia must be pretty low on the horizon anyway because Australia is pretty far south, right? So It is pretty far south and um, in fact it's actually a very difficult country to cover because it's it's just so bloody big. Yeah. It's like the yeah. size of the US. Um, so there's always been an issue there. Like for example, the, the satellite dishes in Australia are bigger uh, generally than the satellite dishes in the UK because you just need... Um, well, they can't concentrate the power, I guess. Yeah, really. you, need, be you get less signal by the time you actually... And do uh, the satellite footprints generally cover you know the higher, the entire continental Australia or are they just sort of concentrated on sort yeah. of the... Which is, I guess it's the West Coast, is it? West well, they have, um, they have different uh, beams, uh, they're called, so they can actually angle the, the radio frequency beams um, and it kind of covers a banana shape, uh, or like the highest intensity covers a banana shape that covers, you know, from Brisbane on the uh, northeast down towards yeah. Melbourne. I guess uh, yeah, yeah. Perth on the left-hand side on the west. Mm-hmm. And um, with enough power left over to cover the rest of Australia with a... There are little spot bits here, hot spots yeah, basically. With, um, but the rest, if you're in the outback, you've just got to have so like a jodrell bank, huge thing. Bigger yeah. dish, yeah. Gives you a bit more shade out there, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
that's cool. And, and, and I also heard uh, DirecTV launched another satellite. They're planning to put like 100 HDTV channels up. No, that's successfully launched last week. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess if you've got MPEG-4 and you've got... Yeah, I guess it's only... 36 it's only, transponders or something. Yeah, you know. it's only twice the bandwidth of yeah. a normal channel now. So. It works well, but and, and that's... I've heard some other people talk to me this last week saying they think, like, even in Japan, you couldn't really... To really look for a standard definition TV set, if you want to buy one, everything is HD ready or HD compatible. Right. So if you wow. just want a standard definition, they're pretty tricky to find. Wow! And I guess uh, that'll be happening to us soon. So, um, Interesting. HD is the way to go. Okay, so you need more bandwidth. So all these satellites are being launched. Fantastic. And uh, IPTV though, there's a lot of stuff going on there as well, isn't there? So we've got an article here about the first North American. Uh, company to deploy HDTV over IP, and that's Saskatel in Canada. And they've got Both uh, people in Saskatchewan, presumably. Ah, that's yeah, that wouldn't make sense. Um, and they've got 27 HD channels that they're offering over uh, IP. But that's interesting because that's the first. I think it's the first actual IP de- IP deployment I think I've seen of high definition. Because um, mm-hmm. you do definitely need more bandwidth. I think Guaranteed. I've seen some of the ones in France, actually, but, I mean... Okay. Yeah, it depends on what channel... I mean, it surprises me there are 27 HD TV channels in Canada. So, that's happening there? Good luck to them. I think that's uh, it's good going. I suppose they've got nice nice network over there. And uh, you also... Walmart is using IPTV to distribute all of its in-store TV. I guess they have the Walmart channel or something. Well, I mean, this is... Uh, Walmart's deciding that um, uh, if 84% of America shops in our stores... Uh, the store is our number one media channel, so they've actually created their own IPTV channel, so they can distribute the same uh, content to all their stores across the US. So um, this was uh, announced at their uh, marketers and advertisers Walmart summit uh, a week or so ago in uh, uh, simultaneously in Paris and San Francisco. They had a bit of an upbeat meeting, telling everyone how wonderful it's going to be to shop in Walmart because. Um, they'll be able to use IPTV to brand all their content uh, in the stores, which I guess, you know, makes sense because if you're if you're a big enough brand like that, you want to be able to advertise in your own stores and you have lots of televisions. Yeah. And I think Walmart has a massive amount of power as when it comes to retail. Mm. Uh, I heard there was some spat they were having with Apple over the, the iTunes music store and saying yeah. that, you know, they were, they were selling a lot of traditional media DVDs and, CDs today, and they didn't want to lose out on that business, so they wanted oh, to I make sure that you know they they were complaining to the record labels and the movie distributors that they didn't really want you know Apple was stealing their this margin they were making. So Apple kind of came in and said they could sell the the music store vouchers or something. All right, all uh, pretty interesting, I suppose. Um, on the mobile front, mm-hmm. I'd uh, picked up a little story again from Australia. We should this should be the Australia show. Indeed, I don't know. it's just all about Oz, isn't it? It's just <laughs> where it's all happening. I don't know whether it's the time of year down under or whatever. But this was essentially saying that um, building on the fact you said earlier on about three G phones, it's a lot of distribution in, in Australia. I don't know how true that is, but mm-hmm. certainly a lot of spectrum there. Um, and MTV puts out a, a their, their uh, show on the three G video phones. And they were getting twenty thousand viewers in a in a week's ratings. Wow, um, that's alright. Which which is pretty good considering they said in in pay TV. Um, yeah, in, pay in TV. Australia, the uh, the largest audience typically is a hundred thousand people. Yeah, like if you get so, a hundred thousand watching any one pay TV yeah, channel at, at once, any one it's time. A, so it's a big M- deal. So if MTV gets twenty thousand on three G, they're that's, reckoning that's pretty that, impressive. You know, actually, that by um, you know a couple of years time they'll get higher ratings on mobile than they'll get on pay TV. So, really? 
This is funny because I've been trying to pick where, you know, what's the thing that's going to make mobile TV take off? Maybe well, it's music. The business model, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, finding some way that people, you know, people are happy to pay for the content. Well, I guess 20,000 as, as an audience rating is, is a tangible audience. I mean, mm. it, it obviously doesn't sound a lot in the sort of global scheme of things, but in Australia, if that comes down to it, you know, it's, it's a niche audience, but it's a significant niche audience. Mm. So um, it just shows that, and obviously that's, uh, that's MTV content, so maybe it's just, you know, the 50, 50 or 60 videos or something that you can watch, you know. Well, bit, MTV um, has a lot of kind of crazy stuff as well. It's, it's, it's almost less, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, almost yeah. less yeah. music these days than... Um, it's also kind of snacking else. TV. Maybe the format's quite suitable for just sort of jumping in and having a few minutes here and there. So, mm. uh, uh, obviously, the spokesman who was talking about this was the guy from MTV, so he's going to be bigging up oh, his own channel. He's going to be channel, pretty so. upbeat about it, isn't he? Fair enough. <laughs> he's allowed to be. Oh, that's um, good. Good luck to him. Anyway, I think that's enough about Australia for now. So um, <laughs> we've got hordes of news about games, I guess, because we're in the run-up to the, the holiday season. We are. And everyone's either you know saving up their pennies for the, a DS or new games or mm-hmm. a Wii or those of us who are in North America, maybe they're putting their cash down for the PS3. Um, or even the expansion for the HD DVD for the Xbox 360 as well. So yep. So it's, I think it's going to be. I mean, and this is. It's going to be great for retail. Uh, this this um, last quarter of 2006, and I think it's also going to be great for advertisers. You know, people who accept advertising. Uh, the uh, three gaming console manufacturers are going to spend between them about 150 million dollars advertising their gaming consoles. So. I think um, if we don't know about it now, we'll definitely know about it by Christmas time. Yeah, I wonder if they'll be using conventional sort of TV advertising. Or, um, well, that'd be interesting to see how they do that. Because I mean, one of the things that strikes me about the PS3 is certainly I don't think we'll see any advertising in Europe because mm, it's no, simply so. not available not in Europe. Uh, and in North America, I mean, the people—it's weird because I guess they're trying to appeal to the like the the gamers, but the gamers typically, I guess, don't have the money to buy the game console. Mm. So it's a weird. Proposition. I did see some reports this week about how the PS3 is actually pretty good value, um, right? When you when it actually comes down to what it is, and compared to the Xbox 360, okay. Um, but it's going to come down to the games, um, exactly. And they haven't really got they haven't got like a Halo equivalent they had on the Xbox 360. There's nothing mm. new and good that particularly draws you to it. So mm. it, it could well be the the Blu-ray. Anyway, um, you had lots of stuff about um, the DS, right? Well, yeah, this is the uh, Nintendo Dual Screen Portable Gaming Unit, and there's a stack of games coming out over the next uh, next month or so for the DS. Ready, you know, we're all being ready between now and Christmas. Um, starting off with the Opera browser, so you can actually uh, plug your browser in and away you go. Yep. Are you um, going to get that? Well, funnily enough, I went to uh, an Opera function the other night to um, right. hear about the new version of Opera, and I actually won a copy of the. Opera um, Nintendo DS Game Pack browser. Wow! And so is it in in the DS or is it in the post? It's Let's in see. the post. So are we looking right. forward to having play with that? So cool. and free booze as well, no doubt. Ah, oh, there was a beer or two. I must confess. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can get the. Scenes. So you'll be making that as a prize available to our listeners, will you? Absolutely, of course. That's a good idea, actually. <laughs> um, so if you'd like to win a copy of the Opera browser for the DS. Give us some feedback. Yes, um, we've got on. the Sims. I've uh, got the uh, Sims Two Pets Edition, so kind of taking on the Nintendogs kind of theme, uh-huh. uh, but the Sims Edition and that sort of stuff. Heaps of Pokemon and other associated games. That I really um, 
that isn't my kind of thing. No. But no. Um, Lara Tomb Raider, yeah, Lara Croft Tomb Raider Legend yeah. is coming out as well. Um, Need for Speed Carbon. There's like stacks and stacks and stacks of like, you know, kind of uh, well-known, what well-branded games. What does a DS game, game go for at the moment? What is, what's the price of a DS game? Uh, I mean, I think the... Um, the prices are around 30, 35 pounds. No, around 30 pounds, 25, 30 pounds. So as you buy three games, it's the cost of the console. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. That's, uh, yep. that's bizarre, isn't it? So lots of games coming out for the DS. Um, yeah, so there's certainly a lot of um, enthusiasm there around um, around that console, around that um, portable device. I think um, uh, they've been a bit slow on coming out with games for the DS lately, so they've been saving it all up for the holiday season, I think. I guess that means because people will tend to get if someone gets a console will get a few games with it as well mm. So. Mm, exactly excellent and you've also got some notes here about how the DS is really kind of fueling the games industry in, in North America as well yeah the um, so according to some independent sales figures um, the US industry overall has grown around 11% compared with the same period in 2005 um, but um, apparently most of the growth um, from the industry uh, in the US has been, uh, Nintendo was saying, has been due to the actual DS and not um, due to the number of units generally. Right. Um, so they're saying, you know, if we weren't selling DS games, then the US industry, games industry, would have only grown 1.6% as opposed to 11%. So, and that gives you some idea about how dominating the, uh, the DS is in the US, which I think is funny because I would have thought the... Uh, and that's um, a spokesperson from DS, right? Uh, yeah, that would be, that would be true. <laughs> so again, with a pinch of salt. I mean, hey, You've got to put, put your own spin on these things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you've, you've got one. So yep. do you spend every waking moment playing with your DS? No, but I mean, to be honest, it, it's had more... Um, Has it had more gameplay than your PSP? Probably slightly, actually, because um, Loco Roco, I think, was my favourite game on the on the. Um, I must borrow that PSP. From you yeah, you should. It's a good game. Um, and um, Super Mario Brothers, I think, has been my favourite game on uh, on the DS. But to be fair, for either of those platforms, I haven't really seen any other games that have kind of grabbed me. So mm-hmm. I'll have to try um, some of these new games that came out for Christmas. But. Um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, the, the prices of it, you know, makes a difference. Obviously, it's a lot cheaper than the, the PSP. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, you know, Nintendo owns the kids' market. Yeah, you know, I think so. And the brands, the Pokemon, and maybe this Yu-Gi-Oh. Exactly, all this Pokemon stuff. Is it Yu-Gi-Oh stuff? or Yu-Gi-Oh? Maybe someone can tell us if it's Yu-Gi-Oh or mm. Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't know. That's a good one to know. Mm. Okay, and um, the BBC, we saw some stuff there about the cost to make games is just, like, incredibly difficult as well. Mm. Um, I mean, we're in a situation where, um, I, I mean, if you remember back in the old days, it used to be a couple of guys in a garage that would knock something out and it'd become a, you know, a massive hit. Yeah. These days, um, you know, it takes 150 people, it takes, you know, a dozen but graphic that's designers. Not, I mean, this ragdoll kung fu thing, when that was something which a couple of guys did. Mm. Um, so it's possible. I think this is the distinction between trying to create a game which is sort of cinematically perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is almost like a, a movie, and come up with something which is, in fact, just such a cool game concept. I mean, like mm. Roco, for instance, I'm sure didn't take, you know, 150 people. Exactly. It's really just what what appeals and, and touches you as a person saying, well, I'm going to waste a lot of my time, waste or, you know, spend 30 <laughs> hours playing a game. Yes. Um, there's got to be something in there, and I don't think that's something that 
everyone can come up with. And I think that's quite a good thing generally about um, Xbox 360 opening up Xbox Live to third-party developers mm. um, because you know, on the Xbox Live Arcade, there's still lots of games on there which aren't particularly you know, graphically amazing. Or maybe they are, but they're, it's just they're playable. Yeah. And I think that's the distinction. And if they let... Um, I think it's uh, is it Sturgeon's Law. Have you heard of that one? Which is about uh, if you let millions of people do stuff, right. they will eventually. Some of them will come up with something that's really cool, okay. and that'll be enough to keep everyone playing. I mean, it's much like Second Life. I mean, mm. not everyone in Second Life is designing clothes and doing all sorts of things. Yeah, but there are enough people who are and doing it very well that it gets the community moving. Mm. Well, I guess and that's... A, and like The Sims and things like that, there's, there's always... only takes like less than 1% of people to make the community good. Yeah. So, uh, it's uh, interesting. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a massive risk if you're spending $10 million um, dollars or pounds to make a game. Yes. And you really want to see it succeed after all that? Well, you, you do, but you, you end up sort of believing your own smoke, like a lot of these um, reports as well, so... Uh, well, you kind of have to, really. It's um, yeah. like I was talking to one of the... Um, uh, a game developer a little while ago who said that um, games have a six-week shelf life, basically, and when, once they hit the shelves, they've got six weeks to do the vast majority of their selling, and then that's it. So it, it's not a lot of time to convince people to take it up, you know, turn it into a bit of a word-of-mouth phenomenon, advertise, whatever you need to do, and then and then that's it. That's a year's worth of development finished. Yeah, I guess it's not like in you know, old media. I went to a a talk bizarrely enough about the life of Jane Austen at the weekend uh, and, <laughs> okay. and that, I mean she obviously an amazing phenomenally successful writer mm-hmm. but wasn't particularly famous in her own time and that's something which you know mm-hmm. you'd never hear of someone say oh yeah there's this old computer game someone found in a garage that is now winning it. it's literally that's that you have that your 15 or you know, 30 days of fame mm. and if you don't make it that's it you know just in the the digital bin that's right. Whereas old media tends to have more shelf life, I suppose. Well, and funnily enough, all those kind of 80s and 90s, um, I was going to say console, but, um, you know, Penny Arcade actually yeah, putting yeah. money in playing games. Uh, the 8-bit arcades, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty popular on, you know, this kind of retro gaming concept is, um, is quite popular. Yeah, you these buy days your, well. sort of your console and you stick it in your garage with your... your uh, exercise equipment or whatever it is <laughs> that's right and, and pop in for a bit of retro gaming every day but I I'm not sure you can do that particularly legally because you need to have all the ROMs don't you and mm. it's like these, these mames and things like that mm. um, work but it seems a bit uh, on the dodgy legal, side I suppose. yeah, yeah. Um, no podcast would be complete without any kind of second life story what's uh, What's, what's news there? Well, a couple of couple of things we should take a note of, and that's um, that Sun has hosted their first news conference in Second Life. Right. Uh, which Who turned up? Anyone? Or? Uh, well, they didn't really say. Again, this is a press conference from Sun, uh-huh. um, which I just think the quote's just so wonderful. Um, this is uh, the Sun chief researcher, John Gage, mm-hmm. who uh, held the actual uh, conference on an island in Second Life. And it was billed as the first news conference by a Fortune 500 company in the game. And um, he said, we've been trapped inside the text world for so long, Gage said. It's time for us all to get more second lifey. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think I've heard about people like, doing like protests. You can just like, if you find out these things are on, you can just like turn up and you can just like put your character and just interrupt the press conference. I don't know. It sounds like um, 
could be a recipe for all sorts the of crazy thing here they had they had an avatar of the um, the uh, Linden Labs founder and CEO, this guy called Philip Rosedale, apparently he briefly appeared on stage naked because of a software bug. <laughs> <laughs> as, he, as he introduced Sun, that was quite amusing. Well, well um, I guess he had to be there. I uh, guess he did, at least in a virtual sense. Yeah. Uh, um, and the other thing is that uh, they've, they've, uh, Reuters have stuck a, um, a reporter into Second Life. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really clear on whether um, uh, it was the fact that they were actually going to be um, reporting, either, I think it was reporting real life news, but in the Second Life world. So you yeah, didn't have well, to. Well, I know there's also some reporters who do report Second Life news, and there's I mean, actually yeah, one on I mean, the there is internet sites page. that talk about um, Second Life in the real world, if you like. But yeah, I think this is getting your real life news in a virtual world. So while you're there, you can still check up on what's happening in the real world uh, without leaving your Second Life. So it's all happening. Oh, there we go. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, oh, I wanted to talk about my. I've, I told you a few weeks ago that I got my um, this iPod, the the sneakers. I've got my uh, my um, sneakers with a built-in iPod communication thing, the Nike Pluses. Oh, so you've got a um, you got a new Nano, have you? And I got a new Nano at the uh, was it last last week or last weekend. What um, colour did you get? It's a silver one. Mm, nice. I was going to go for the red one with the engraving, but I was just too eager to get it. So. Um, <laughs> But now I've got my my iPod Nano, and the the uh, Nike Plus stuff is actually um, quite cool. Actually, mm. uh, it does actually speak to you and tells you what you're doing, and you you have to calibrate it by walking like 400 meters and stuff. But it does. Uh, it's got your little songs, and it syncs up with the Nike Plus website, and you can put in targets about how far you're going to run. Wow. You can challenge someone to a running competition, and uh, that's so cool. I've, I've run at least uh, I think two kilometers now. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but it's a start. I can hear people laughing. Two kilometers, that's not a run. Um, that's but, great. Uh, no, it's, so does it tell you how far you've gone and whether you've gone fast or slow? Or Yeah, yeah. It gives you the, um, you can just, as you're running along, you press that sort of center thing mm-hmm. and it tells you exactly the time of running, uh, how far you've run and your current pace per kilometer. Cool. Uh, and at the end, it gives you a summary and uh, actually it's uh, quite cool. Nice, very pleasant voice when it speaks to you. And uh, oh, so It actually tells you this as well. Yeah, yeah. You just press the center button, and it t- it tells you what's going That's on. That's pretty neat. You have run so many meters, and this <laughs> it has taken you this long. Your current, uh, you know, time is nine minutes per kilometer, or whatever it is. Wow. Uh, so does it adjust the music based on how how you're running? No, because <laughs> you, 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 you know, if you're running slow, you can actually time. buy special kind of running mixes from um, <laughs> from Nike, which help you do different sorts of workouts. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but oh, it's, I haven't actually. I've got to get some music together to run to. But uh, at the moment, when you're running in the morning, it's a bit dark. So uh, yes. listening is probably not a good thing to do. Although at least cars do have the headlights on. But uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a, an iPod roadkill. <laughs> no, exactly. After all that cool technology, getting you know working all together. <laughs> Exactamondo. Um, so that, it's quite entertaining to do a bit of that. Yeah, that's great. Um, but I still didn't, I didn't go for the video iPod. Have you been frantically transcoding stuff for your video iPod? I guess there's still nothing we can buy in the UK market. No, not particularly, which is a shame that um, iTunes haven't come to the UK yet, but hopefully 2007. Um, but there's still quite a few video podcasts that are, that are out there that you can watch. Quite yeah. When are we going to go video then, Ian? This is a bit tricky to do remote video ones, isn't it? I know, <laughs> we need kind of two cameras and then joining them together and stuff. Yeah, but um, that would be a bit wacky. Right, um, well, I guess that about wraps up episode 21. Indeed, so given that we have some prizes to give away, if you've got some feedback on our stories or things you think we should be including, 
um, or you just want to say hi, uh, send it to feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Great. And thanks very much for listening. All right. Bye. Bye now.